You are tired of average. You want more out of life. You know you're capable of something greater. This show will help you become resilient in your home, at work, and in your community. Welcome to the Resilient Humans Podcast with your host, Kevin Wood. Ready? I am set. (laughs) I am also set. Welcome back to the Resilient Humans Podcast with your host, Kevin Wood. And I have my co-host here uh, with me today. We have Ingrid and we have an awesome topic today. This is, this came in as a, uh, it was a request from a listener. Oh, was it? Yes. And so I'm quite excited to talk about this topic. And today's topic is about confidence or or really self-confidence. And gee, I don't, I don't know why this person, when I think about this person, I see them, they're a member at the gym here. And I see them walk through the door and the way they walk in exudes confidence. And okay. it's very interesting eh? that you can kind of just, you look at somebody and you're like, yeah, they, they're a confident person. What, what, <sighs> that's what, in t- your- that's a hard thing to assume. I would Oh, hundred percent. And you, you could be way off base. Yeah. That person could be the complete opposite, but the way they, they walk. So I want to ask you, mm-hmm. what are some things that you would see in an individual without even like talking to them, but what would you see as somebody that's confident? Okay. How bo- would you know? Body language. Like what? Um, not hesitating at the door when, when they're coming in, not lurking, holding themselves straight and tall, um, Approaching other people, perhaps. Yes. Yeah. Saying hello to people. Um, that's just right here. Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking about. But that would be anywhere. Yeah. Right? But but that's like you can look at somebody's um, posture and kind of be like, yep, yep. they're they're probably confident. Mm-hmm. And then, and again, they might not be. They might be the totally, yes. <laughs> totally self conscious. But it's more likely that if somebody's self conscious, they would also have poor posture they wouldn't you know go right up to somebody and start having st- you know start a conversation mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. a stranger um although there's a lot to be said for and i'm very picky about when i use this fake it till you make it phrase because sometimes it's works and sometimes it doesn't but i think self-confidence is one where if you learn to train yourself to do certain things like hold yourself high like say hello to other people, um, then I think you're training yourself to be a little bit more confident, but it can also be really misleading for the people around you because they make assumptions. You know, people have made assumptions that I'm a lot more confident than I am. And you know darn well that I'm not as much as those assumptions are. And I think that just comes from training myself to be a certain way. I think you have to have a pretty good level of self-confidence if you are an actor (laughs) yeah oh i'm I'm not saying i don't have a level i do i have a certain level um but i would say it appears as more than it is so like to get on stage (laughs) in your underwear (laughs) which we've both done yes (laughs) uh requires a certain level of of confidence otherwise it would have just been a flat out no i'm not doing that so true but uh, we practiced it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I practice running around in my house all day with my underwear. It's fine. It's just there's 250 people watching me when I do it. So, uh, all right. So, I wanna I wanna start this. So that that was kind of a good lead in. Um, I do want to say or or kind of mention this at the start that I believe that confidence is definitely on a scale. It's not like a an, an off or on switch. It's either like you're confident or you're not. There's everything in between. Full spectrum. And I also believe that that scale can vary day to day and almost hour to hour very easily. I've Yeah, absolutely. I've seen it in myself, even today. <laughs> right? How so? Oh, I don't know. Came in to do this podcast and uh, we had given it a couple of, you know, thoughts and my confidence level waned a little bit like oh is this something that I can talk about I, I mean I always doubt myself before we do something uh, especially if it's being recorded or seen by other people but you know just sitting down and going through a couple of ideas with you and just chatting I just feel a little bit more comfortable so when you turned on the microphone my confidence was slightly higher than it was when I first walked in the office that's interesting that once once we kind of go live, it increased your confidence. Whereas I believe other people, when you go live, it would do the opposite. They'd be like, oh my God, now, well, now it's real. I've learned, I have, you know, I've learned that once the microphone's on or once the lights are up, what you do is the thing that counts. So you have to just go for it. Hmm. So. so I would agree with that. Even when we were, when we're backstage at, at the theater, it's always nerves and like, ah, <laughs> oh, am I going to screw it up? Uh, Ingrid has to pee. Yeah. But it's not real. I get really I'm cold. Nervous. You get cold. Right? I, <laughs> like I literally start to freeze. I've seen you doing burpees behind <laughs> the stage. I've definitely done burpees and push-ups <laughs> behind the stage prior to going out in front of the live audience. You're doing burpees and I'm fanning my armpits. <laughs> <laughs> We all have our thing. Yeah. But then it's true. Like, like what you said, once, once you're out on the stage, it's like, it's go time. Here we are. Like, Let's go. Whatever's out there is out there now. Do. Yep. Now I know not, not a lot of people can relate to that, to actually going on stage and being live in front of a, an audience. Um, we could have used this in our gym anxiety podcast though, a little bit. Yeah. Like gym when, you the, know, the stage of life. Yeah. Right. Um, so kind of going back again, um, I also believe that being confident is not an innate character trait. It's, it's not something that you're born with. No, no baby comes out of the womb and be like, I'm the best baby in the, in the world. <laughs> right. It's just not how it works. It's definitely developed and it can be definitely like torn down as well throughout childhood. So depending on your upbringing who you're around, I believe, shapes um, the amount of confidence that that you currently have, and that could probably be the first step if you were interested in developing more self confidence. Is looking back and finding out kind of your own history, like what if if you do have low self confidence, why? Where did that start? And kind of looking back and seeing the patterns. Uh, the behaviors of others or, or you in certain situations and why that kind of happened. So. Okay. All right. Can, can I just quickly ask why, 
when you said look back, I almost wanted to argue with you and say, no, forget about all that. Just look forward. So what do you think is the learning point there? Just sort of self-reflection in, in general? How yeah, did you so, deal with certain things or how did you feel? So for instance, it could have been, you know, I, I had a, my, one of my parents kept talking down to me and telling me that I was worthless and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're 40 years old now, why are you holding that to such a high regard? There's, or do you even know you're doing it? Right. Right. So it's being able to look back and then saying, I'm not that, that child anymore. I can let go of it. Okay. It's not like, so more of a name, you're naming it, you're making it aware. It's of noticing it. and naming. That's yeah. exactly what it is. Okay. Right. So if you notice what, what it was, you threw a name onto it and then you have the chance to let it go. That's, take, that's kind of the point, right? Take its power away. Yes, absolutely. Cool. Um, so we kind of came up, we, we brainstormed some ideas here on, on how we can develop our confidence. I don't do all of these. Um, I do some of these and I, you know, as somebody who grew up, um, kind of being bullied for being the skinny kid, uh, I really couldn't defend myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I would get beat up and whatnot. So, um, definitely grew up with some, uh, uh definite lack of self-confidence and some of these things on this list have definitely helped me over the years. Um, so maybe Ingrid has some, some insights that she can give when we kind of go over these examples, but, sure. um, Ingrid, the first one that you brought up was consistency. Sure. And I'd like you to really dive in on what that means. How can consistency build your self-confidence? Okay. Well, this is a sort of a broad, um, sort of sprawling topic about consistency, but, uh, no matter it's my idea that no matter what, say, phase part of your life your self-confidence is sort of lacking in, you can, I think you can have self-confidence that has a variety of levels depending on what you're doing. And the more familiar you are with your surroundings and your activity and the people you're with breeds that kind of confidence. So when I talk about being consistent, what I'm talking about is doing the things that make you, you know, nervous, uncomfortable, um, sh shy, whatever it is, as many times as it takes to be comfortable in that situation. And once you're comfortable in a situation, your confidence to do those things again or try new things um, will definitely increase. You've, we've seen it a million times. People are coming to the gym and they're nervous to even talk to another single person. And then once they come for months, weeks, years, uh, and get to know the people and the equipment and the facility and the things that we do here, the more likely they are to just try new things and kind of expand on that. So I think um, a certain amount of confidence is needed before you sort of start to jump into new activities, but it's the jumping in and being consistent and doing them over and over again that's going to build your confidence and make you a person that's more and more willing to try new things over and above. I really like that. And great use of a, a gym example, um, maybe a non-gym example. That's something that mm -hmm. most of us could relate to is driving. A lot of people are very nervous when they first become a new driver. And then you do it so much that you become more confident in, in that ability. I remember when I was learning, I would go after hours and just 
parallel park constantly. <laughs> like I loved it. They, they would leave the pylon set up uh, over by the assumption the building lot. there. And I would just go and just do it over and over and over again. And I am so confident in my parallel parking abilities. I can do it from the passenger seat. <laughs> I think you parked my car from the passenger seat one time. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> right yeah. on. But you're, but you're right. You did it so many times. That I could literally do it with my eyes closed. If someone said, hey, what's your self, you know, your parallel parking confidence ability, you know, it's a 10 out of 10. No. You don't even think? It's, it's more. A, it's definitely more than 10 out of 10. <laughs> you do it with your eyes closed. <laughs> yeah. Right. I like that. That was good. So Consistency. Things that, things that you don't do very often are not going to make you very confident. But if you want to do something, you got to do it enough times so that you feel confident trying it again. It's like when I watched you the other day helping people with their handstands, you know, and they were kind of even shy to like kick up into the handstand. Not sure how to do that. But after two or three tries, they weren't even hesitating again. Yeah. Anymore. I remember myself yeah. included. Allison, like she's like raising her hand like, okay, it's my turn again. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the, the first, first time, time. Nope. No, I don't want to try that. And then yeah. it was like, yeah, yeah, me, me. That's Let's hilarious. Do it. Yeah, it's true. eh? Yeah. Just a little micro example, though. Doesn't take much. No. All right. Uh, next one. Uh, setting realistic expectations. Yeah, I think that one is really we've talked about that one, you know, in relation to a variety of other topics. Um, what I'm talking about here is not making your to do list or your expectations for yourself so grand and so big and so broad that they're unattainable. And I, I talk about New Year's Eve syndrome all the time about how people are going, you know, making s lots of changes or tomorrow when I wake up, I'm going to be all the things. And then you wake up and you're, you know, you're the same person the next day. And then what? You're disappointed. Um, but this can happen on, you know, a daily basis. We've talked about um, taking, making a list of three things that you're going to do in one day so that you feel successful and confident going on to complete tomorrow's tasks, not putting 20 things on there so that you end up every day at the end of your list thinking you're a failure. Right. Where's your confidence? What's that doing for your confidence level? Um, you also, we also talk about doing all or nothing, you know? So if your confidence level is waning in something and you think, you know, okay, I'm a terrible runner. How am I going to be a better runner? Should I go out and run a marathon today? What's that going to do for your confidence, <laughs> right? You're going to get to the end of the day. You're going to be destroyed and you're going to think that you can't run. Right. You're, you've now identified as a non-runner. Right. So why not go out and run a little bit today and a little bit tomorrow and a little bit more the next day and just boost the confidence in the activity so that you're willing to be able to try more and more every time. I'd like to just jump in quick for, yeah. for just to, I don't want to toot our own horn, but we're the only level method gym in New Brunswick. Mm -hmm. And I think that using that system is designed to build confidence. Yes. Literally. Because, so what what the level method is for, for those that don't know, we use it as an assessment tool. So there's 15 different uh, assessments or tests or uh, movements that we kind of test out on people when they first walk through the door. And they're much like um, the uh, martial art belts, like the colors. So when you come in, you're a white belt, then you graduate to yellow and you move up to black belt. Um, now we assess everybody when they first come in so that we know what level they're at. The awesome part about the level method is that no matter what, you're on the board. 
there's you can do everything on the board no matter what. So for instance, there's a, a running level. People go, oh, I can't run. Okay, can you walk? They're like, yeah. So literally, if they were able to get from their car into the gym, they're already on the map. They have a level because it's walk 200 meters without stopping. Yes. So right off the bat, they feel like they fit in because they can already accomplish these things. So I think that's, we try to set up realistic expectations for people because when they walk through the door, they might see people running like six minute miles and doing muscle ups and, and you know, 350 pound deadlifts. And they're like, Oh, I could never do that. Well, that's not the point. The point's not for you to go from where you are now to lifting 300 pounds overnight, but what can you pick up? And it starts with, I believe it's uh, 20, 20 pounds. Can you pick up a 20 pound kettlebell? Yeah. Yes. Yes. There's a good chance you can do that. Most likely. I can um, carry my groceries. Right. Lifted a kid before. So anyway, sorry, anyway, sorry yeah. for jumping in, but yeah. I think that's part of no, no, that's perfect. setting up realistic expectations. 100%. Cool. And I just want to go to the back to the level method too, because I love it, but it really is designed so that people are feeling successful, right? And feeling successful boost your confidence and boosting your confidence makes you capable to take one more step in whatever it is you're doing. Awesome. I'm going to combine two of these here that we have written down, but um, you had written down celebrating wins mm. and then also journaling your progress. And I think those can kind of go hand in hand because you can also journal your wins. Sure. Is that is your celebrating progress. Your progress. Sure. So, um, they kind of, you can kind of flip flop those or combine them. So can you just tell me a little bit about that and, and what you mean by those? Sure. Um, a quick gym example, of course, we always encourage our new members, well, old members as well, um, but new members to get into a, a habit of tracking the things that they do. Um, making note of how they felt about those particular things, making note of how they felt on a particular day. Um, and then also how they, you know, came across some kind of challenge and overcame it. Uh, I, we always encourage people to write these things down and journal them so that when you can look back, it is really, really eye opening. You can look back and say, Hey, you know, um, I may have felt not as good at what I did today. But when I look back at something I did six months ago, boy, have I ever progressed in that thing. So it can do a lot for your confidence, not only looking back when you've made progress and you know you've made progress, but when you're looking um, at something that's bothering you and you can look back far, far behind and say, holy cow, yeah, maybe this week I haven't jumped ahead or improved on whatever, whatever that thing is. But boy, in the long scale, have I ever. So you can really kind of see that journey. And if I, I find if you don't have something to look back on, if it's only in your own mind, if it's not in your handwriting, or if it's not a photo, or if it's not a post, or whatever, then it can get skewed. Your own memory will skew things depending on what your brain is telling you you want to feel at that time. At that time, yes, exactly. Jump in and finish my thought for me. Well, I like, so very, very specifically, we see that with people that um, jump on the scale or jump on their our in-body machine here. Mm. If they have one, that day, if the scale happens to be a little bit higher, what do they think about themselves? 
Right. They obviously, well, I've seen them. They sit in this chair that I'm sitting in now and their shoulders slump into the I'm not very confident posture. And I can see that happening to them. And But what do we look at? So as our job as a coach is to kind of redirect their uh, attention. And if we look at, mm-hmm. so the in-body machine here <laughs> will track their progress over time. So at the bottom, we can see what's called the trend line. And so it might be a blip up, but the whole, if you look at the grand scheme of things, it's actually still trending down. So that's why we, we need to look at these things. That's why we track progress is so that we can look in the past and see, okay, this is where I started from and this is where I am now. This little blip is still way under from where I started from. Therefore, that's still progress. Yeah. The overall trend is going in the direction that I've intended for it to go. I have less body fat on me now than when I started. It might be higher than it was last month, but that's just today. That's it's only because I measured it today. Yes. So we're looking at trend lines. Anyway, that's well, kind of the and blip, progress people, piece. I, well, I would like people to know that blips in trend lines are not just something that happen on an in-body machine or with your training. There are things that happen in your life. So when I have my mostly my nutrition clients in here saying, oh, you know, it was um, it was a bit of a bad week, but, you know, overall, I'm still heading in the right direction. And I say, well, good. You should have a bad week and should note that you're still moving in the right direction because that's going to keep happening for the rest of your life. And if you don't understand that, then you're going to have a problem with your with your consistency and your confidence. There's always going to be holidays, birthdays, oh, celebrations. You can't you can't live life perfectly. Progress over perfection. I I'll say that every podcast if I have to <laughs> just to get it through your head. So, um, okay, cool. Uh, next one up, getting off social media. This is one that I believe helps uh, set up unreasonable expectations because it's only the highlight reel of people's lives. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I'd like to, uh, there to be like a bad light reel. Well, I did. I, I yep. was tr- traditionally posting that. Yeah. I would uh, post consistently reasons my kid is crying because <laughs> often people only post pictures of their happy kids and everybody's smiling and laughing in their photos and videos. But no, not me. <laughs> my kid's crying because I she put her head in the uh, arm sleeve of her shirt and now it's a total meltdown. <laughs> That's <laughs> just these are one real of stories, folks. Many real examples, stories. <laughs> many many examples. Now it's reasons my kid is giving me attitude, or <clears throat> reasons my kid does not want to go to bed. Mine should be reasons my kid rolls her eyes. Yeah, right. Like what? Anyway, so I, I think that get, it's not. I'm not saying eliminate social media. That's not. I want to set reasonable expectations, but be on it the least amount of time possible. Yeah. Um, People use social media to celebrate their wins. Yes. They don't typically use social media to sell you know, to share their lows. Sometimes they do. And that's great. Um, but off, more often you're looking at what people want you to see. Yeah. So that and can be hard on the brain sometimes. And it's just never re- like, <laughs> look at the filters. <laughs> They're just funny. the filter. Sure, sure. Some of them are funny, but some of them, they don't, I saw one the other day, uh, it showed, it showed a lady kind of sitting on the left side of the screen and it was, it was a filter that took every wrinkle away. Like it, it puffed up her lips, her eyes were bigger and stuff. And it's like influencers on Instagram 
And then she leaned to the right and it was like her regular face. She goes, Oh God. And then went right back to the influencer side. Right. Like that's that shit that will mess with your brain. Yes. Right. You think. And so if you see, if you see one of these people on Instagram in real life and you're like, Oh, you don't look anything like that. That's a nice realization. (laughs) Anyway, I think we spend too much time on it. It's too much of a highlight reel. A lot of it is unrealistic. Um, yeah, well, it's just a bigger version of what people were, and I would want to say women, but I won't, but people who were looking at, say, Sports Illustrated magazines in the 1980s, right? People like me looking at women in those bikinis and thinking, oh my God, I have to be that? Right. That's what I have to be? That's a that's a bad headspace to right? be in. Right? And social media is just a giant blown up snowballed version of that for everyone in every possible way. Well, yeah, because you're not... <laughs> It's not like a magazine where you had to pay for it. It's just there it's in your face. It's just there in your face all the time. Oh, you're going to use the washroom? Pop on social media. Oh, yeah, look wa- at what all the cool people are doing and wearing and looking you're, like. You're waiting for class to start? Oh, pop on social media. Oh, they lifted more than me. Oh, man, I could never do that. Yeah. You've already set your session up for, for failure. Yeah. Anyway. Be aware, people. Yeah. It changes your self-talk when you are too much on there. I got uh, two more and locus of control basically looking at what you're able to control and what is outside of your control and that can also be who's around you um when i had katie on in a the last podcast uh, we talked a little bit about that Mm -hmm. and about your support system and i believe the people around you can definitely shape uh, the level of confidence that you have do they lift you up or do they pull you down? And you, as painful as it could be to change who's around you, I think that that's something that you need to very much consider if your self-confidence is important enough to you. If you're like, yeah, I'm all right, then you're probably not going to change the people that are around you. But you do have the opportunity to. For instance, it would be very easy to join a gym. Generally, people at the gym are people that want to improve themselves, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, what have you. So by surrounding yourself with those people, and we hear it all the time, like people that work out on their own, they generally don't push themselves as hard as when they're in here and they're, they're you know, surrounded by people that are encouraging and motivating. That changes how hard you push yourself. It will change your results and it will change the perception of yourself if you let it. Ooh. Okay. Let's just follow up on the perception of yourself with talking about self-talk just a little bit. Go for it. Um, I often hear uh, words that I feel are feeding people's lack of self-confidence, which is when people talk to me and say, you know, I wish I could, or I'm going to try. Soft talk. Or I'd really want to. Um, and I would say, Hey, just take those words and tweak them just a little bit. Instead of saying, I wish I could say I'm able to, or, um, I'd like to be this kind of person. Why don't you just say I am this kind of person? And then you're more likely to just follow through and become what you were saying that you are. Um, I'm going to do, I will do instead of I'll try to do. 
They're yeah, just that's that's a big one. Yeah. Um, so I just feel that the way that people are talking about themselves and to themselves, uh, if you just sort of start to just be aware of those certain words that you're using, and even just if you have the chance in the day to kind of stop and say, uh, how could I phrase that a little bit better to just boost myself a little bit? Um, Coach Roxanne and I are always editing people's. <laughs> <laughs> she started it. I'm I'm keeping up with it a little bit. I do it too. I'll, just I'll, editing people's posts. Yeah, you know? I do it to people verbally. Yeah, and I don't know if I should because well, wow. you say stuff like, "Oh, you mispronounced I can" instead of you know, right. someone says, "Oh, I o- I only lifted this much," and you'll say, "Oh." Didn't you mispronounce, look how much I lifted? So explicit warning alert here. Uh, last night we were doing 150 wall balls in the workout. And uh, one of the members just yelled out, just like the ball dropped to the floor. And she yelled out, fuck. <laughs> and I wrote, you mean fuck yeah. <laughs> it's a small change. Like you just, you just, if you tweak your words and it's a lot easier to do with written word because you can actually like see it, look back on it, and then edit it before you hit send on any social media or any email. It's much harder to do verbally because it, it's there's not as much of a delay. It's thought words out. It's, it's quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it's something that you want to change, let your friends know that you're trying to avoid these certain words like I wish, I try, I hope. Those are all f- soft talk and get called out on it. Yeah. So if anybody ever hears me say those words, please call me out on it. Yeah, we've started a little bit of a culture and especially in the morning classes uh, here at the gym because those are the ones I'm here for and coach. But almost any time anyone says just or only, yeah, we all call them out. We say, no, I heard you say just, what did you want to change it to? And the more we do it, the more people are getting used to it. I really like the sort of exusion of self-confidence that comes out of just the group itself. And it's actually written into our policies and procedures. (laughs) People sign off on it. It's if you say the word can't, you win 10 burpees. That's a great prize. Yeah. Yeah. I love love fitness as as a prize. You've given that prize out to me before. Definitely. The last uh, one I have on my list, we got to wrap it up soon because we mm-hmm. have a class starting in uh, a couple minutes. Yep. Um, I believe, I truly believe, and I'm sure I'm biased, but I believe that starting and being consistent with a fitness or a self-defense routine is a major key for building self-confidence, period. Yeah. Yep. That's it. Like, how... You will literally, you will physically change your posture as you get stronger. Yes. It's a, you will. It just, it changes. As you get stronger and more capable, your confidence goes up because you just know, you just know what you're capable of. You know that you can bring in the groceries. You know that if you slip on ice, that you will probably be able to balance yourself. All these things, just walking around in daily life. You know that if your kid runs out into traffic, that you can also lunge out and grab them quickly. Like everything improves when you improve yourself. And if you do not take the time to improve yourself, others around you will also suffer. I'm going to say that again. If you do not improve yourself, 
other people around you, the people that you love in your life will suffer as a result. That's how important it is to take care of yourself, to have a consistent fitness routine, period. That's it. That's all I can say. I <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you made me cry a little bit. <laughs> Sometimes when I watch your face and you're so serious about it, it's... I wish people could see how heartfelt you are when you speak about those things. Like I said, kind of biased. I own a gym, so uh, it, it's it, it comes off as a bias, but it it really is. It's my it's my it's mission. Cumulative learning is what this is. It's a, it's my mission. Yeah. I I this is an entirely different po- like okay. <laughs> there will be another podcast coming up about our healthcare system, and. Uh, I actually was chatting. I was coaching the masters uh, yesterday and one of them was in the healthcare system, like pretty high up. And we had a great, great conversation about it. And anyway, I <laughs> will, I'll lead into it or I'll kind of preview it, but it's going to be about personal responsibility yeah. and, and what we can do as individuals to improve our healthcare system without saying, oh, the government's doing this and doctors and nurses are doing that. Like it's, well, it's I bigger have, than that. I have a feeling you're going to use the words proactive and reactive a lot. Anyway, <laughs> that's, that's I, for later. So anyway, there's a lot of tips today. If you need to <laughs> save it, download this episode, go back and kind of take some notes, do that. I do that with books sometimes. If I'll read a book, I'm like, oh yeah, no, that was really good. I'll go back through it and kind of take notes and, and kind of learn from it. So if you picked up anything on this, you know, I hope it helps you. That's the idea behind this. We want, we want there to be some practical, useful advice from these podcast episodes. Um, and if you know anybody that might need a boost, maybe this episode will help them out as well. All right. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having, uh, thanks for coming in Ingrid. Oh my gosh. Thanks for having me again. I love it. No problem. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with others or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest episodes, be sure to subscribe, and I'll see you next time.